0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Untethered.tv. I'm your host and founder, Rob Woodbridge. You know where I live. I'm located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. So it always great, brings me great pleasure to bring to you the talent that we have in this fair city. We're going to be speaking today to a local company. The company's name is Bitheads. We're going to be speaking with Rick McMullen, who's the CTO and co founder of Bitheads. Go to bitheads.com uh, in one moment. We're going to be talking about all things IoT. That's Internet of things. This is a very, very, very uniquely poised company to be a part of this revolution, actually to lead this IoT revolution. And they got some very interesting concepts. The stuff that they've been working on the last year, I think will blow your mind. And we're going to be bringing that to you right now. Did I say that he's from Ottawa? That this is a company that's located in Ottawa? Rick, welcome to Untether.tv. I appreciate your time. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you very much, Rob.
0: God, I love this city. I love when I get to showcase somebody from my city just down the street from me. And uh, so welcome, welcome, welcome. You'll get the royal red carpet rollout for being in Ottawa. That's just the way that it happens here. Uh, we're going to be talking about IoT. I, I need to ask you a very important question before we actually get into the meat of the conversation. Maybe this is the meat of the conversation is what, what's the problem with IoT? Everybody's talking about it. There seems to be a thousand different definitions. What would you classify as the biggest challenge right now with IoT?
1: Well, I think I think that is the biggest challenge right now with IoT is that everybody that is uh, in the space and everybody that wants to be in the space has a different definition for how things are tying together. Um, in addition to that, nobody really knows where things are or even, and, and certainly they don't know where things are going. So everybody provides their own definition and I'm just as guilty of that as anybody. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and a lot of people are starting to you know, come up with products that are based on uh, proprietary protocols and uh, trying to, you know, tie that in with proprietary hardware and be the full stack for this, uh, for this, you know, evolution of the internet. And uh, as we've seen before, that generally doesn't work. Walled gardens don't <laughs> usually uh, hold up. Uh, Apple's done a okay job of, of keeping theirs together, but they're they're the exception rather than the rule. So from, from my perspective, the biggest problem is that Nobody really knows what it is and, um, and or where it's going and that a lot of companies are trying to, you know, dig their hooks into proprietary technology to, to drive it forward.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, we say that a lot about many industries that have emerged over the last couple of years, you know, the mobile app space and now IoT and even before that, the world of, of the Internet. I don't think that anybody really would have predicted anything as to where we are right now. So I, I'm with you is that people who are trying to predict this, they're trying to pave a way for their businesses. And I think that as we move forward, you think that that picture gets a lot clearer, don't you?
1: I, I do think that. So I think uh, a lot of times when, when I try to see where a technology or a trend in the industry is going, I try to draw an analogy to something that's already happened. So uh, if if you look, and, and I the way I see the Internet of Things moving, is much along the same path that uh, computing in general has moved over the last, say, 50 years. So when we got going in things in the, you know, really in the late 50s, 60s, in that that time frame, the technology of choice was a mainframe. And that was pretty much how things worked. And as time went on, it evolved into more of a client-server technology. And then, you know, in the the 90s, we had the web uh, that came alive based on open protocols. And then, you know, re- more recently than that, within the last say uh, six to ten years, we've seen what people are calling the Web 2.0. But it's it's really just you know the the advent of social and mobile technologies you know built on top of the uh, the existing web, uh, and it's much more of a two-way communication uh, than the Web 1.0 was, where you you were just going and viewing information. So similar to that, the way I see IoT uh, evolving is. Again, back, you know, 30-ish years ago, we had the, you know, the, the first IoT applications, if you wanted to call them that, um, and they were very much, you know, monitoring stations, so, or SCADA um, uh, applications. So you had a, you know, a, a, a local uh, control node that was monitoring a bunch of equipment uh, typically over a proprietary protocol, and oftentimes physically connected to those devices that they were monitoring. So that's the equivalent of that old mainframe uh, world. And we moved from there into into more of a networked environment. So with the advent of computer networks, we were able to remove those proprietary links between the, you know the control station and those devices. But for the most part, that was all that happened at that level. So we're still just monitoring equipment. Uh, Maybe the monitoring station wasn't co-located at the same building. Maybe it was in the the company head office or something like that. That was really all that changed there. Um, And then at the same time, roughly the same time that the Internet came out and the network started to get a little bit more prevalent and cheaper, we saw a move from this, you know, just monitoring uh, type situation to something where it was more remote monitoring and control so you, you can get a little bit of two-way communication maybe you could reset a device or you know initiate a software upload to, to a particular device but that was really all it was doing and and that could be central and uh, you know remote uh, to do that monitoring and control and then we're, we're still kind of there I, I think we're in a transition from that level to you know the equivalent of the social mobile web and and so what we're starting to see now Are these kind of unique applications coming out, like things like Nest, and uh, where people are installing, you know, intelligent thermostats in their home, and there's a a network service that's, uh, you know, controlling that. You can configure it and and do get notified of things and control your your device. Um, But they're very much siloed applications. So it's kind of coming along where it's uh, um, these individual applications, you can have a maybe an application on your phone to control them, but they're all very much standalone. And where I see things moving is, it, as the technology evolves, we're going to see these, you know, different devices not only being able to talk to um, one another, but also, there's some intelligence in the network that will be able to, you know, gather that information and act on it and make intelligent decisions. So, it, a lot of it is, is, is about context and it's about moving the decision making or at least some of the decision making from a human more into the computer and into the network. You know it,
0: it's funny because I, I think back to those days, maybe not that far back, but but even uh, you know the early days of the web and uh, this connected program called SETI right the search for extraterrestrials right where where it was it was leveraging downtime on other people's computers to be able to crunch data and and uh, you, you know would that be a good example of of this first kind of node computing internet of Things piece or, or is that an example of it?
1: Well, it's definitely an example of node computing yeah. Uh- for sure whether uh, well, suppose, we never found aliens so yeah, they're still working on it they're still
0: working on it but but yeah. You, yeah that that concept is is so fascinating to me because you know and and everyone i mean i ran a company back then called animatics and and uh here in ottawa and it was and you know we had every computer overnight you know searching for et basically yeah. and and uh it was fascinating it was you know gamifying this uh you know this network computer piece but I, I I want to stop here for a second because I, I need to ask you about bitheads because uh, bitheads is one of the longest standing technology companies in the city of Ottawa it's uh, t- talk about the history here who are you guys what do you do how did you land here because you have such a an amazing past as a company and, you know that, that obviously it's not over um, but you you're in the IOT space you're in the gaming space what is bitheads
1: yeah, so so we have been around for quite a while. We're in our 19th year. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. For a technology company, that's, that's pretty good.
0: And i got to say, I mean, uh, BitHeads is in this, um, uh, you know, it, it's in a mall. And before you say, well, well it's a mall, uh, what they did is they took over a movie theater, uh, so they have a full movie theater with seats, the old seats in there. I mean, I used to go to that theater all the time. And and the office is built on how many floors? 3 floors with winding staircases. It's like it's a it's a, one of the most amazing office spaces in the in the city of Ottawa. So uh, if you ever get here, you've got to go to an event at, uh, at Bithead's office. So I j- just had to say that. Now carry on with okay, okay with the important uh, stuff. <clears throat>
1: So, uh, like a lot of companies in town, we got our start at Nortel. I worked at Nortel for uh, three or four years before starting Bidheads, as did uh, my uh, partner and co-founders. Um, but we we had done a lot of work in in very um, highly scalable, highly secure systems at Nortel. Um, so that's where we got our foundation in building out these large platforms. Um, and and we've done a lot of telecom work since we've uh, once, since we've got going, but. Uh, Recently, uh, I guess about well, it's not all that recent anyway. <laughs> 19 <to> guys, <laughs> years old. There's no recent. <laughs> <laughs> about eight years ago, we started a video game division, and um, and we did a lot of neat things, and a lot, you know, with uh, with a lot of different platforms. We built things on the Xbox and the and the PlayStation, um, obviously Windows and Mac, and and every mobile device uh, known to man. Uh, we've also done a lot of set top box uh, work, and and what we're finding is that this. We're seeing that the Internet of Things is helping to push the industry towards viewing these things just as a screen, as a, as opposed to, you know, a mobile phone or a or a computer. It's just a screen. So we're we're going to be displaying information on that screen, and uh, so we're, we're uniquely positioned as a company because we've done so much work on so many different platforms uh, in terms of the presentation of data. Um, but the other thing that we've done uh, through the gaming industry is that we've built some very huge uh, back-end web systems to support some of the more common or more popular I should say uh, mobile games out there so one of the uh, one of the biggest and best-selling mobile games ever so far has been uh, the Simpsons tapped out and we we built and architected the back-end for that game and uh, it's it's almost how we got into doing things in the Internet of things space because we saw a lot of analogies between it It, it doesn't make sense at all but it, it, there was a lot <laughs> of analogies between this video game technology that we built and what we feel is required as an application server to serve to service the Internet of Things uh, um, you know space and, and so it's been about two years that we've been looking at this and I spent the first six months just thinking well at first thinking so What's the big deal? We've been connecting devices to the internet for 20 years, and so why is everybody on? The industry was certainly very excited about it, and it took me, like literally, maybe I'm just dense, but it took me six months to really get the aha moment where I, where I realized that there really was something big happening here. And I think the reason, a lot of times when we're in the technology business, we're immersed in it every day. And a lot of times we don't realize that, uh, you know, not everybody lives the way we do. And uh, a a good example of that is, you know, I had a BlackBerry back in 2002 or 2003. And uh, when the iPhone came out, it was kind of like, yeah, what's the big deal? I've had one of those for five years or six years and uh, but the, the big deal was that they but Apple made it accessible to a, a much broader audience of people and that's one of the things that's happening now that's gonna make the Internet of Things such a big deal and uh, the the others really are pretty small changes in the environment but they're all happening at the same time and that's what's making it uh, you know pretty pretty crazy and I, and I think it's over the next two to five years you're gonna see not only the problems that are being solved uh, change dramatically to what they have been over the last 10 years, but even the way people are thinking about problems is going to change. And uh, and I knew, it, and it was probably about that time where where I realized that, um, you know, I I got it. I got the Internet of Things because every time I'm walking down the street now, it's like, there should be a device for that. There should be a device telling me to do something right now, or there should be, you know, I was walking down the street to get my coffee, which I do every day. Uh, I was coming back from Bridgehead, from another local company, um, and uh, I saw the the meter guy, and it was in the winter, so there was still snow piled up along the road, and he was walking down the sidewalk with a big stick with a piece of chalk tied to it to get over the snow bank so that he could mark the tires. Uh, and then he'd come back, assumably an hour later, to see if the, the cars had moved, and it's, like, it's screaming iot application and uh you know there could be a you know a, a camera that recognized the that card you know come and gone or, or whatever there's many many ways yeah, but, of solving but Rick, that problem who, who do you scream at then well that's that's the thing nobody's i don't think anybody's getting it yet yeah. and because businesses most businesses aren't thinking in this way yet oh. and uh it is a different way of thinking and it, it's Another way that I liken it, it's more of a technology thing, but it's it's almost the the pull versus the push. So, again, back 20 years ago, whenever you wanted information, you would pull for it. You would pull a, a central server for information, or you would pull you know a device for information. Um, but that's not an efficient way of doing things, and it really should be a, more of a push uh, environment. And that's what the Internet of Things at at a very basic level is about is I don't want to have to go on the internet to search for something I want my device or my screen to bring the information that I'm interested in and it knows that I'm interested in that based on you know preferences and uh, my past where I've gone things that I'm interested in and Google now is starting to come up with some you know it, it, it's getting closer and closer to that we're still a long ways away from something that I could, would consider, you know, a, a full and complete solution. But it's it's getting there.
0: What uh, what do you think is the biggest misconception right now about you know the Internet of Things era that we're emerging into?
1: Well, I think it's uh, the biggest misconception.
0: <laughs> like I, you know, I think about you know, for me, it's about um, you know that that everybody's. Well, Searching yeah. for something that that this is doing, and and they label it Internet of Things, but it it, it
1: may not be. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, I think that there's a lot of marketing hype and a mar- lot of marketing speak. Not to not that there's anything wrong with that, but <laughs> in in the in the space right now, and a couple of the things that I see happening um, often are people referring to things that really aren't MDM or really aren't Internet of Things um, interactions at all as as that. So, um, you know, doing a credit card payment, it, it's not really an Internet of Things. Like, it is kind of a device talking to a device, but I'd, I'd consider that more of a client server interaction. Uh, it's not really a, an Internet of Things, um, you know, application. Um, Another thing that I see often is people confusing or assuming that their smartphone is a is a thing that's a part of the Internet of Things. And in my opinion, that it could be, depending on the usage scenario, it could be. Like if you're using it as a heart rate monitor or a pedometer or um, you know a, a tracking device for going out and running, then I could I can see that as being uh, true. But it 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 in and of itself is not a you know a, a device that's participating in the Internet of Things kind of uh, environment. It's it's just something that you're using to present information to a user um, or, you know, they're potentially controlling another device with it, but it's not really uh, an endpoint in this type of environment.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that's an interesting, interesting perspective because the software layer enables these devices to become part of IoT, right? So if you have you know, home locks that uh, that are proximity uh, based where you walk up and it unlocks it, that that becomes for that one function, it becomes a piece of the of IOT. Uh, Same thing that, as you said, around health and fitness and all these tracking devices. And the same thing that if I give my kids a phone and I track their whereabouts, it becomes part of, uh, it becomes a node uh, um, available, but it's all software enabled, right? The hardware, I mean, is, is hardware, how do I say this? Hardware is a case, but is it important now? Is there anything distinguishing hardware from anything else or is it just the software layer that we should be concerned around with IoT, that interaction?
1: Well, it, it, so- software has always so- been something that we're more concerned with just for yes. a software company, but, <laughs> you know, the, it is a full stack, so you need... Uh, you know, for each one of these ideas, even the parking uh, example that I just talked about, there is a need for some form of hardware. So it, it is, uh, you know, it's a full value chain. I think that the, uh, the, the key is that, that hardware has to talk in, you know, open protocols, uh, or, you know, there isn't really a standard yet. But um, at least if you're using, uh, you know, a um, an internet standard or an open protocol to do that first bit of communications um, and then talking to a you know an application server or an environment that is also speaking those protocols then uh, you, you can start to see a lot of interesting things happening and, and I, I mentioned earlier that how oh, the, the internet has gone to the web 2.0 which is social and mobile um, where we see the Internet of Things going is really to, to the point where right now you have a you know a Nest device that's talking to a Nest server and you have a Nest iPhone application on your phone and you have a Piper, another local company uh, um, device talking to a Piper server, talking to a Piper app on your phone. Silos. Very siloed or stovepipes is what we used to call them and where, where we see it Going is that if we can open up those protocols and we have a common application server that they're all talking to, then all of a sudden my Piper can talk to my Nest or my Nest can talk to my Viper or anything and we don't we don't have to have this these walled gardens for each application. And the, the other problem that that um, solves is that I don't have the remote control problem where I have 50 apps on my phone, each one to control a different device in my house and eventually just give up. <laughs> and then
0: you just you go bury your head somewhere uh, yeah. but that so is that your vision when you think of the like the bithead's iot vision it is this kind of open source unified platform that that brings on other devices so that so that it, it is that like the iot operating system
1: it really is or we, we're calling it an application server for lack of a better term yeah. but it, it really is an iot operating system we the, the software that we've we've built and have been developing uh, allows anything to talk to anything else and it includes so any device can talk to any other device any uh, device can talk to any mobile phone and also any device can talk to any you know back-end system so ERP system Salesforce or SAP or whatever you can imagine Um, and so we're not trying to be the you know the analytics company for the Internet of Things we're trying to enable all these devices to send data to some other analytics system that somebody that's smarter about analytics has built
0: but is it you know some people would look at the way that nest has done this um and the way that any of these other companies like piper anybody who has has their own uh, stack as uh, protective, and uh, that would be their competitive advantage because you're in their ecosystem, right? The same way that Google looks at it, and the same way that, I mean, Google talks open, but really, we're all locked into Google. If you decide to be on Gmail and Gdocs and, and you use Android and use an Android device, and now you're into Nest, and, and then we're going to be driving driverless cars, you know, powered by Google and getting internet from from balloons that are in the stratosphere. So, you know, they may talk that open Structure, but they're 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 a, a much more open closed environment because it benefits them the same thing way that Apple does. So when you look at what what these companies are doing, is it in their best interest to to be able to talk to like Piper to be able to talk to Nest and and in exchange information?
1: I certainly believe so. And and as as closed as the Nest environment is, they actually have opened up their APIs. Yeah. So we one of the things that we've built on our application server is a connector to Nest, so that you know, if I could make a connector to Viper, which I can't currently do, but if I could, then through our application server, your Piper could talk to your Nest. And uh, and I think that more and more of these companies that are building these standalone applications are going to start, uh, you know, at least providing an API that you can access. Uh, OnStar is another example. So DM yes. opened up their, uh, you know, it's probably a subset of the entire API, but it's a fairly rich subset. Of their api uh about a year ago so to developers so that's another connector that we we have made is you know so you could have your nest talk to your onstar for some reason
0: <laughs> so as you're pulling up it cranks up the heat well i mean so you know it can get so confusing honestly like because i think that you know we, we've had a conversation about this and you've had many conversations and many years to think about this and and you've had your aha moment and i've had my aha moment when i look around at every single thing around me from a light to my, uh, you, you know, to my car, to my washing machine, to my fridge, to my toaster, to my coffee maker, like all of that. And at some point you kind, of, you kind of think, all of those should be connected and I should be able to do stuff with that. Does it ever get too much where you're thinking, listen, you know, there's, there's this on-ramping process that we have to do. The first is the valuable stuff where it's going to be a part of our lives, but it, we won't even notice it. And then it becomes part of our lives because we start to notice the interactions that these devices are having, uh, and they start to do it automatically. I mean, what's that process? Because to me, everything can be connected. Everything could have some additional value, but nobody's willing to front the cost to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, and, and I think again what's what's required is a platform that enable these, you know, people that are building these individual applications to start to connect them. And it's all like the there's there's connecting the devices into the network and then there's building applications on top of that. And we the 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 application server should have an environment where you can quickly prototype these interactions. So, you know, it shouldn't be something where it takes me six months to get my nest talking to my car, it should be something that I can do in a, you know, a couple days or a couple weeks, at least to prototype what that interaction would be. Uh, because as we were saying earlier, it's it's early days. Nobody knows where this is going. You don't want to spend six months building something and then find out that it was the worst idea ever. Um, if you can do it in a couple days or a couple weeks, you know, it's the fail early, fail often type mentality. You have to have the tools to be able to do that, though. You, you can't spend a lot of money failing all the time.
0: No, no, and, and I, I like that. I like the concept here, which is, which is, um, I mean, there has to be a reason, right? So a lot of people have been talking about. It. We've seen these, this internet-connected uh, washer and dryer, and uh, you know, I- unless it can actually pick up the wash out of the washing machine and put it into the dryer, there's no need for an internet-connected device, because it it rings a bell, and if I hear it, then I know to change it. But if I'm not anywhere near there, like out of the house, it does me no good. To know that the wash so there's, there's extremes like that um but you know how how does this evolve because fr- from what you guys are talking about you, you mean you have to now take this operating system this iotos, IOTOS and and put it out there so that people you know, build enough connectors from uh, from existing apis and then get it out there so that it, it provides value where do you guys start like so you got the nest and you've got onstar how, yeah. how do you bring it all together well, it is a challenge,
1: and that's it's kind of what we're dealing with right now. And it is, it's almost like uh, we've built this, like, like we've built, I don't know, five or six applications, IoT applications. We saw a lot of patterns uh, through that, and, and that's why we ended up building this IoT platform. Um, and now it's we're, we're, we're struggling probably a little bit with how we go to market with it. So right now we're just using it as a tool that we can... Create these applications much more quickly than somebody else could. Right. So
0: competitive advantage right
1: now. Ex- exactly. Yeah. But we would like to to have it out there and have it uh, available for other people to use, and that, that's you know what we're working through right now is is the best way of doing that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting because a lot of software companies, I mean, the biggest one in, in, in Ottawa was Cognos, right, uh, that that uh, that built their platform by servicing clients first and then they built the platform uh, and then sold to IBM for five billion dollars. That, that <laughs> happens here. Um, and and it, because they found they were able to finesse the application in order to be able to then turn it into a software package. And, and is that kind of the avenue for you guys?
1: It's definitely what we're looking at doing, and uh, we've done it. uh, We already have a gaming platform that we've built out in a in a similar way. So this is kind of our second uh, second framework or or uh, server technology that we're building, Uh, and it's to satisfy an entirely different market.
0: There are parallels there because you know, as you talked about, the Simpsons uh, tapped out. Because um, that was just not a that was just not a mobile game, right? And obviously, this is one of the most uh, played games ever. Um, and and uh, but you guys also, uh, as you said, build um, have to have to create that experience across not only mobile but other screens and you you, you know uh, consoles and and other platforms as well as uh, you know set top boxes. Like so, th- that's your background. And so you you guys have been immersed in this long before people started calling this IoT,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I was trying to remember what you know, maybe our first IoT application we ever built was, and I think uh, you know, not including network management type stuff, which is kind of IoT. Yeah, uh, we we built a uh, um, an application, and I think it was in two thousand and two that would track salt trucks and and map their best route, uh, so the most efficient route to deliver salt on you know icy road conditions which you know we get a lot of up here and uh so it, and that was as i said like 12 12 or 13 years ago but it was very much we had a gps unit in the car or in the truck and it would track uh you know where it was going and um and map you know the shortest route to pick up more salt and and, and all that stuff so there was a lot of tech you know math going on in the background that would uh you know figure out what the best route was do you think like it's so fascinating because?
0: Yeah, uh, again, like uh, you think about this and, and immediately, uh, you know, early on in the days, it was about oil rigs. And I remember the very first story I thought, you know, that w- correlated to Internet of Things was was uh, the ability to uh, put remote sensing on oil rigs so that you could get the levels of, uh, you, you know, whatever the levels of, of pressure, the levels of gas, uh, the levels of oil that they were pumping um, in, in order to be able to you can get that from from the from the ground as opposed to having to send somebody out there in a helicopter to get the readings and and so th- th- this is where I first started and it was always in the energy space uh, you know to drop down a sensor to measure methane gas and wells right and those kind of things right so those they've been doing this for a long time uh, but but all of a sudden it, it we're, we're now looking at it and I think that there is a cost and I, we didn't talk about this but I, I'm wondering there's a cost associated with IOT and that cost is a sunk cost and, and it's one of these things where you, you're going to put money into it in order for it to be, you, you, you know, you put money down on it now to be efficient later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that that's going to, I don't know, stifle the growth of IoT? Like the idea of the salt trucks is great, but who covers the cost of that, right? And how do you sell that, which is always the challenge around this, because it is a sunk cost for now.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, I think that's probably why we, one of the reasons why we are where we are is that uh, so far, you know, the only people that have deployed these types of applications have done it for a good reason. And it's usually some kind of cost savings or some kind of safety issue. And um, so, so to get back to the oil and gas example, a lot of these things are very remote. And uh, if something breaks down they want to be able to know what it is before they send somebody out because otherwise they're sending a guy out twice and it's very expensive is one one example at least so that's why you know the oil and gas was big into this because they were able to save a lot of money by uh, by automating a lot of this Um, but it kind of gets back to what we were talking about earlier where once you once you have that aha moment or you get it you start seeing problems in a different way and I think once businesses do Start doing that, and start viewing it in a in a different way. They will find the ways to make it, you know, drive value. Uh, you know, implementing these types of applications, and uh, it's just it's getting that that shift in the way you're thinking about it uh, to happen. Once that does start to happen, and it's more, you know, the norm as opposed to the the um, exception, then I think we're going to start seeing a lot of uh, interesting things happening for sure.
0: Do you think that, uh, you know, we've gone through these phases and for every business, it's been like this, right? And, and, and you've been uh, in business for all of this over the last 19 years. Like You know, first it was um, the web, right? Yeah. We, need, we need a website. It's going to change the way we do business. We need a website. So, you know, it took a long time for companies to wrap their head around the web, right? It was not a pull. It was a push. When you yeah. guys were selling web stuff. 20 years ago like i was it was hard to sell people on websites uh but so the momentum gained and all of a sudden there's 50 billion websites out there and and people understand i think and maybe they don't still 20 years in i'll say that they don't understand how to use the web properly the majority of companies out there don't understand the web 20 years into this So then, this this thing happened. We started carrying these portable phones with us, and they emerged into smartphones. And now there's this mobile piece with apps and mobile websites. And we're at the fringe of that right now because I tell you, 99.9% of the people on this planet do not understand what mobile means to their business, and they are screwing it up. Right. So they're screwing up the web, and and not 100%, but say 75% of the world businesses are screwing up the web or not paying enough attention to it. Then 99.9% of the world's businesses are screwing up mobile. Then you throw this thing called IoT into the mix of this. And, and uh, you know 0% of zero anybody in business really has grasped onto this, except for maybe the, the oil and gas companies and, and the big guys. But it's such a small percentage. So now you've got guys who don't get the web, guys who don't get mobile, and then you're going to layer IoT on top of this. And they haven't had their aha moment about the web yet. <laughs> I, I, so this I, is this is that an accurate way of kind of saying where we are in in, in the space today
1: i really think so like i you know percentages and numbers aside i yeah, think yeah. That's, that is, that is definitely those are right. all
0: my opinions they're not validated by any scientific research just just uh just based on my conversations
1: no we've had uh to, to the point about the mobile we've had discussions recently with some fairly large companies or you know maybe crown corporations or whatever and uh they they will just say they need a mobile app and I will say, well, why do you need a mobile app? And it's the answer like literally is because everybody else has one. <laughs> and there's, you know, you know, you're not driving any value whatsoever.
0: They don't it's, get it. Yeah. But but then you, you label IOT and, and I wonder if there's a way to skip mobile for a lot of these companies, because I think that a lot of companies are struggling to figure out how mobile fits into their business. And, and something like IOT might be the answer that they don't know that they're looking for, right? So they may not need an app, but what they need is something to notify somebody when something happens, right?
1: Yeah, and it's it's not really necessarily IoT, but I totally agree, and and I and that's where I see the mobile industry and even the internet uh, moving in some ways, and and it might be IoT that kind of drives that forward. But the what we were talking about earlier, the the poll versus push, uh, you know, way of doing things. Currently right now, the mobile apps and everything, it's very much, uh, you know, polling. I'm going on, you know, the, the score to check the sports scores. I, you know, it might send me a notification or something like that as well. But for the most part, I have, you know, 200 apps on my phone. And I, if I remember to go and check something I do, if I don't, then I've, Pretty much forgotten that app's even there and you know you you get lost in in the apps and it's the whole remote control thing all over again and getting back to what um what google's doing with their google now i i honestly feel that that is more the way the interface the user interface of these things is going to move forward so you're going to have probably just a single app on your device that displays you know cards or notifications and and the BlackBerry has done a pretty good job of that too with BB10, yep. uh, where you know you have your your hub and your uh,
0: inbox of everything. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. And I and I and I feel that that it, it the the UI almost has to go that way. It has to be simpler. Um, it's it's probably to the point where, for at least mobile devices, the I, I think the user interface is going to start to become less and less important, just because people are geared more towards. I, I want to be told what to do. I don't want to, or or not necessarily what to do, but I want to be told uh, of things that I might be interested in as yeah. opposed to managing 200 apps and going to each one of them every day to check if something's changed. So it, it's kind of, I don't know if there's been a, a term coined for it, but I, the, what I've kind of, been, the way I've been thinking about it, at least is that it's, it's kind of event notify action and, and building the user interface around that paradigm. So there's some kind of event that, either I've expressed interest in or through other, you know, other actions that I have done, my device knows that I'm interested in. Uh, it notifies me. It goes to a common place. And I can choose, you know, maybe there's four options that I have to deal with that notification. You know, ignore, uh, escalate, or, you know, maybe the, the third one is launch uh, a WAP to, uh, an application to deal with it or, or launch a website to deal with it. But um, It's not the first thing. It isn't, and, yeah. the, and the complexity that uh, you know is being driven down to these mobile devices now. It's it's not sustainable, in my opinion. It's right. uh, it has to be simpler than that.
0: You know, I am with you. Like, you know, this is this is something I believe very fir- inf- firmly that that uh, you know the the new operating system are notifications, right? It's it's. Uh, and they have to be a little bit smarter than they are today. Um, right now I get I have three calendar apps and I get like five notifications for, for meetings and I don't know how to turn any of them off and I'm a mobile <laughs> guy. But, but they have to be smarter, right? They have to be in context and understanding that, look, if I'm on the phone with you, you don't have to send me a notification that I have a meeting, right? So it's just those small, subtle triggers that have to happen. But I believe that the new operating system that we go forward is going to be this this notification world. So whether it's boxes or squares or whatever it might be, um, you know, beeps, it might be lights, who knows? But it's the notification world. And and the second thing is that Um, I think that, you know, this might sound ridiculous, but I think that the 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 end of the operating system is near and not near in terms of next year or five years down the road. But I think that the operating system is transitory, the opposite operating system that resides on the device. I think that uh, when we have this ubiquitous blanket of high speed connectivity, whatever that might be, whether it's through a carrier or through a mesh network or through nodes, whatever it might be, I believe that the operating system then kind of evaporates to the cloud and this just becomes a dumb screen and it can be any dumb screen and then we say the, we say goodbye to these devices and the operating system and then it, we really are truly in this notification world triggered by passing something or the temperature dropping or my calendar that's in the cloud and then I just get notified. That's my view. We're years away from it because we're still addicted to the smartphone, right? Yeah. Is that, no, I, Does that I jive with you?
1: I, I totally agree. and, and... I think another reason why we're years away from it is that the people that are in there now are going to, you know, cling on to what they have with every, you know, last bit of effort that they possibly can. But, so uh, true, because uh,
0: it's 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 the focus on UI UX, and I'm, I'm a, I love great design, and I am I, like I just love it. I love the way that the the smartphone feels in my hand. I love the way this mic that's in front of me looks. I love the operation. I love. So, you know, I even bought like a $20 pen because it felt great. Like $20 is a lot of money to spend on a pen. But it's, it's a, um, you know, so I, I have this feeling. I love that feeling, the experience of interacting. Um, but, but this kind of blows out that UI UX world, doesn't it? It just says, okay, the UI UX is the world. And the, or the, the UI is the world. The UX is what that triggers and how I get notified. And I don't care if there's fancy buttons with shading. Because I just need to know, right? I need a notification. So it really does, as you said, diminishes the value of UI UX. But we're nowhere near that yet.
1: No, no. And I, I think um, I think the first step towards it will be when Google opens up their uh, Now API, which I'm hoping will happen in uh, two weeks at their. Uh, Google. Yeah. Um, because that, if they do, as soon as they open that up, um, certainly simple apps. You don't need them anymore, like you can just use the cards on Google now and uh you know have that as your main you know point of contact with everything and um ultimately if if that's successful, then you know Apple will eventually have to follow suit sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: well they're 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 in their own world they um But but you're you're right is that if Google does lead this, then uh, I mean, they're they're already the de facto operating system and and whether or not they're trying to protect that uh, status. I I mean, I don't know if they care or not that they're the de facto operating system, but what they really do care about is is data collection and then uh, obviously being being the source of data for all of this stuff. Right. It gets fed into it. when we talk about this, is there an industry that you feel, aside from the oil and gas and the companies that we've talked about, those kind of big industries, that this is out of necessity that they've done this, um, is there an industry that you see out there that is poised to adopt and adapt to IoT better than another one?
1: Is there a leading industry? Well, certainly if you look at the stats, uh, you know, manufacturing is big into it already, right. and uh, oil and gas, and retail is fairly high. Um, most of the analysts... Think that healthcare is going to be the next uh, big, uh, you know, hunting ground in this area, but I, I just like healthcare seems to move so slowly that I'm not entirely sure that that's going to be the case. Uh, it'll, it'll, yeah, it might happen. Are your
0: uh, uh, are your health records digitized yet? Uh, mine aren't.
1: No, it. <laughs> no,
0: exactly. I carry a yeah. folder I with don't
1: me. Don't have access to them. That's the uh, the, the other problem. But, right. <clears throat>
0: So um, you don't think that healthcare is going to do it?
1: automation uh, and not, not so much the home automation, yeah. but um, uh, you know, large building, commercial building automation, I think is is going to be a big one uh, coming up just because of, there's so many different things that you can, you can optimize uh, there with, with sensors. And there's quite a bit of it going on already. Um, yeah. But I think that's going to be big over the next couple of years.
0: And, and so, I mean, it's going to have to take that, for people to begin to understand the value that we're talking about here, right? When, when it's not uh, replacing your light bulbs with energy-efficient light bulbs and, and saving twenty-two dollars over seventeen years on your energy bill, it's really about optimizing for uh, climate control and space and energy consumption on a huge building that is going to have huge savings. Yeah. Um, and and then people will wake up to that. Do you think that that's what it's going to take for these kind of things to to permeate?
1: yeah I do. and it, like like another industry where I think that you know they could they could do very well to adopt a lot of this stuff is just in the, the general hydro space, right. like not again, not the home but in the the grid managing the grid. and it's still a it's a utility that moves way too slowly. and uh, so I think it's going to take years and years and
0: this is not, we're not painting
1: a good picture here, are we? Well, not not for those, but uh, <laughs>
0: But I see a lot of pioneers out there. A lot yep. of, a lot of p- companies are, are, are testing the markets like you guys are doing this, right? You've, you've had a number of clients that have w- come through BitHeads that you have done some pretty unique things with that you wouldn't have thought that anybody would, would, would be ready to do. So you know, I, that, that to me is, is, a, uh, is a sign of things to come. And, and the way that you guys are thinking about this is that you, you really are thinking long-term here is that if, if right now we're talking about uh, you know, an IoT operating system uh, built by you guys that you realize that maybe five, six, eight years away, but, but that to me is, is, uh, is the sign of a, of a visionary company that says you know we're, gonna put, we're we're gonna put a stake in the ground here and we're going to build towards that because somebody has to. And if nobody else is, in this, is out there thinking this way, I mean I, I think a little bit more minute, I think about the like the home operating system. Uh, and this is just a large scale home operating system,
1: right? That's right and yeah. and the big keys to it are, are certainly scalability because there could be you know billions of things connecting to it um, but also security is is going to be a, a huge part of that and it's uh, it's something that it has, in some ways more or less been ignored so far in this in this well not ignored probably isn't the right word but uh, it's a it's a challenge and people are still dealing with how to solve it uh, in in the IoT space so that's another thing that we're certainly uh, very cognizant of and focusing on when we're when we're building this platform.
0: When do, when do you think that this kicks in? I mean I, I've heard you talk um, about you know I don't even know how to describe it is that. The way that this will happen is uh, you've described it as kind of like this third industrial revolution thesis. Is there something? Uh, there's a book out there, right? That, that yeah, there, there's details- a
1: book. there's a couple books that I've read. One was the third industrial revolution, where they talk about um, you know there's there's been two industrial revolutions, and they were both predicated by a, a new media of, of communication and a new power source uh, kind of occurring at the same time or, or within a fairly short period of time of one another so the first one being you know the steam engine and the printing press and then the second one being oil and uh, you know basically digital communications or you know electronics um, and the third, the communication platform is really the internet, and and then we're still kind of waiting for that third uh, energy <laughs> piece to drop. Um, but there's a lot of research out there, and we're getting closer. Like some some of the reasons that the Internet of Things is being driven forward right now are we're getting very close to having self-powered sensors. They're they're certainly very low-powered, and uh, over the next couple of years, it, it appears as though we'll we'll be to a place where at least some of them can be self-powered. Um, and, and maybe that's the, the tipping point uh, is, is when that happens
0: you know it's funny because you know we've gone from a uh, you know computers we've all seen this evolution of computers from from you know the size of a room to now the size of your palm and now we're talking about little devices that that basically send and receive uh, every every second um, but they the computing power on that is just ne- just enough to be able to to do what it needs to do to be able to process it but so we've gone through this evolution of power consumption power consumption down into absolutely very little power consumption you know some can run on a you uh, you know, a, a small a watch battery for months. And so, uh, you know, I wonder if this, this what we're talking about here, this next industrial revolution is the, the fact that the computing power has diminished to the point where when we have enough of these nodes around the world, um, you know, there is no other power source other than maybe sun and solar. And we, it's because we've reduced the power consumption from these computers to next to nothing. And that's the revolution that happens.
1: That certainly would do it. I think wow. So it's, it, it really is, you know, um, it, as we said earlier, nobody knows. <laughs> so it's,
0: uh, is that what you would consider? Like you talk a lot as well in our conversations around the social M to M, can you define what, what that means? And, and is it, how, how does that interact with, uh, with us and our devices?
1: Well, I think that we, we kind of drew the analogy, this, this whole you know evolution of the computer into the internet and, and now web 2.0 where it's social and mobile and uh, it, it just seems to make sense that these Internet of thing type applications will move in the same direction so it really is these you know the same data that they're sending up now can go to a common environment and uh, you know maybe a, you know a device of one type can register to see events of, of another type that could be generated by anything so I think that in order for you know very compelling applications to be developed on in this space, we have to start sharing the data, and the data sharing has to happen not in some you know big back office system, but it has to be somewhere closer to the edge of the network where you know quick decisions can be made, um, you know, like OnStar telling my house that I'm about to arrive or whatever you know whatever the case may be, uh, something that really. Person isn't necessarily cons- like, doesn't really care about like that data doesn't really matter to anybody else other than these two devices because they know they're supposed to talk to one another to you know to to do that kind of thing. Yeah, I- so one of the other um, things that we feel is very important in this first level uh, application server operating system is that the, it's not as if the data just gets sent and consumed. It could get you know sent up to the server that the, the server could decide to send that same piece of information to 12 different backend systems and a couple of little devices that are that are somewhere else and uh, when you have that kind of flexibility and power the uh, the the options are just you know endless you can it, pretty much anything you can think of doing um, you can you can put it together
0: do we do we still have privacy at that point
1: that is going to be another big issue. Um, uh, <clears throat> privacy is uh, is definitely going to be a big concern going forward in this space. Um, a lot of people think that uh, or or believe that you know the, the you know relinquishing really some of this privacy is going to be worth it for what you get in the end. And some people aren't going to think that way. So I think over the short term, it's going to be a lot of uh, you know kind of meandering and feeling our way through that that whole issue. Making mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People are gonna have different thresholds for uh, you know what they're willing to give up.
0: Well, you know, I always maintain that everybody has a has a price, right? Yeah. Everybody has a price, yeah. right? You'll give up a little bit of your uh, your privacy uh, for nothing, like your postal code or your zip code at IKEA, which is which is your information and it's yeah. infringing on your privacy, and they ask it, and you willingly give it to them, right? Um, and all the way up, you know, it'll scale from there. So. Um, you got to think about that. I mean, privacy is going to be a hotly contested. It's going to be debated. There are going to be breaches, massive breaches of data, and we're going to learn from these. And you're right. I don't think that there is an answer for for, for
1: privacy. Currently, not not right now, anyway. Yeah. Like, even if you look at what Google's doing right now, it's um, it's pretty incredible. Like, if you have if you have an Android phone and you've enabled your location, I don't know what the setting's called, but it basically is saying allow Google to track everywhere you go. Uh, you can go on the web and and do your history browser, and uh, it shows you every single place you've ever been. Yeah, because usually have your phone with you.
0: <laughs> it's pretty, uh, and that's accepted, right? And and uh, well, it is for for some people. And if if some you're listening to
1: this, don't know about it. <laughs> yeah,
0: if you're listening to this and this is the first you've heard about it, maybe you should check into your privacy <laughs> privacy settings. Uh, what about the rest of the world? Like, so we've been talking here, really, uh, you know, North American centric uh, information. And um, but I mean, is this? Are we seeing this kind of movement, the same kind of feeling, the same kind of uh, guessing, and uh, you know, grasping with IoT ar- around the world?
1: I think, in general, both both Asia and Europe are a little bit ahead of North America, at least mm-hmm. in their thinking about this. And, and some of that is probably stems from the fact that. Um, the governments there have actually been promoting it uh, for, you know, almost 10 years in some cases. So they've been giving incentives for companies to actually build out uh, IoT-like platforms and their, their um, you know, power management and things like that policies are much more... Uh, ahead of North America so they've had to build like I was in Switzerland a couple months ago and every room I walked into the lights would turn on and as soon as I left they would turn off and uh, just stuff that you don't really see too often in North America yet so I think they're a little bit ahead of um, of where North America is at least in terms of thinking about it uh, but having said that there, there still seems to be a lot more at least in the last six months or so, there still seems to be a lot more activity in North America. I would say than, uh, at least at the device level, building building the hardware things. Uh, there seems to be more of it going on here than, than at least in Europe anyway.
0: It always strikes me, said why why aren't we looking over there? You know, why
1: are we trying to reinvent stuff
0: and, and do stuff here where, where you know, um, it, they've been paving the way for many years in policy and use and that, that ground level use where people will start to see value in it. You know, I, I see that all the time in Asia. I see that in Africa with mobile payments. And you see that in Europe when it comes to the, uh, you know, the complexity of the devices and the ecosystem around IoT. Well, I always wonder, like, why aren't there companies over there trying to bring that here
1: instead of trying to recreate the wheel? I don't know what it is, and and I think it part of it might be a bit of the not invented here uh, syndrome. And uh, but, but it always boggles the mind. Like I look at uh, municipalities, is the same way. Like they're you know how they deal with garbage and all that stuff is so much more advanced in Europe, and yet they they look at it as if they're looking at it for the first time over here. It's uh, crazy. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> you guys still have garbage in Canada and the <laughs> United States? Yeah, we incinerate it. We've we've issued lasers to every one of our uh, you know. Um, what, uh, one last question, and then I, uh, I want to get people to, we, we want to send people somewhere so they get for more more information about you guys, but uh, do you think that there is a company that is ahead at this point? Do you think that there, you know, we've talked about companies like Google, the oil and gas companies, but is there a company out there that is building something that is so unique that you just looked at and that said, oh my God, I, you know, I'll give up Bitheads to go and work for that company. <laughs> I
1: haven't that. seen yet, uh, okay. so it yet. So it's, um there's there's a lot of companies that are, are definitely getting into the space and most of them have entered within the last six months to a year um, and what most well a lot of them from what i've seen are, are as as we mentioned earlier doing uh appear to be do, trying to make a proprietary play where you know build build on this device and you know we have a server that will support that and uh, you know uh which i just don't think is going to go anywhere in the long run they might be able to succeed at it for a few years but uh that's what I've seen most of the companies that are that are in this space uh, doing so far, at least from a software perspective. So, no, it's still it's still very early days. So uh, nobody knows what uh, what solution is going to win out or what approach is going to win out. But um, so far, nobody seems to be standing out as a as a forerunner.
0: And that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, right now.
0: That means opportunity yeah. everywhere, doesn't it? It's the wild west. Oh man, have you ever seen a time like this where it's been so much of a wild west, like so flat, so level?
1: I don't think so. Like you could almost compare it to when the internet was first coming out, but it, the the difference there was that there were open protocols. It's like yeah, you can go, anybody can go build your your own web browser if you want, or you know, web server. Uh, these are the protocols you have to adhere to, and then go. you know, go ahead and compete yeah. and. Uh, but that isn't, uh, that isn't the case with this at all. So it, I think it is a little bit more wide open even than it was back in, you know, 93.
0: Primordial soup. That's what this is. <laughs> we'll see what emerges. Yeah. Uh, Rick, where do we send people to find more information about what you guys are up to at BidHeads?
1: Well, the best place to start is, is certainly our website, so uh, biteds.com. And uh, we don't have a lot of our Internet of Things type stuff up there yet, but it will be coming soon, um, including you know, some white papers and case studies and things like that. Um, so that's, that's definitely uh, the starting point
0: bitheads.com and sign up for their mailing, their mail list, their email list, whatever you can do. Follow them on Twitter. Just stay close to this company as this is emerging. And obviously if you want to reach out to Rick, uh, my guess is that he would do it. You can do it through me at RobinUntether.tv. You can uh, jump online to bitheads.com and send him a note and ask him questions. And uh, I hope to have, Rick, I hope to have you back on uh, soon so we can kind of can carry on this conversation as you guys are emerging in the IoT space and, and taking it over. Like good, can Canadian good Ottawa-based company should right. That's right. <laughs> there's no pressure there. We just need a couple of you guys out there to you know to, to dominate like uh, like Cognos, uh, you know, like Newbridge did. Uh, Shopify sure. is emerging, but uh, we need we need Bitheads too as well. So uh, folks, go to Bitheads.com for more information, and of course you can just re-listen to this entire episode because I'm sure there's stuff in there that you just just glanced over that in six months or three months down the road will blow your mind at how right Rick was. How's that? Rick, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate your time.
1: Okay, thank you very much, Rob.
0: We've been speaking with Rick McMullen, who's the CTO and co-founder of a company called BitHeads. Go to bitheads.com right away. And I thank him for being on, on TV. And I thank you guys out there, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I hope you are at the gym. Maybe you're out there gardening. You're driving in a driverless car. Whatever it might be. Uh, thank you for making it this far into the episode. Truly appreciate all the great feedback that we're getting. And, of course, I would appreciate a five-star review on iTunes where, or wherever you got this, maybe Stitcher, just do it. If you've gotten this far, you found some value in it. And that's what I appreciate for That's my value, so that's my currency. But I'll be back next time on untether.tv. Thanks, Rick. Thank you very much.